Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment. Standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, where our mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the proportion of children growing up with an involved, responsible, and committed father. The Show Up Dad Fad Nation, Inc. is a 5013C organization that encourages dads to become more than just a paycheck. Today's guest is Brandon Pritchard. He's a single dad to two daughters and a journeyman lineman. He started doing line work in 2005 and is currently a troubleman out of downtown Phoenix, working for Arizona Public Service. He now helps oversee and prepare all of the troubleman testing and training for APS and gladly accepts any and all opportunities to assist in the apprenticeship program and safety committees. Welcome to the show, brother. David, thank you for having me, man. It's a it's an honor. Yeah, I appreciate you introing that, and and I'm glad to be here with you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, Brandon, I always start off with just you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, like how was your father growing up and stuff like that. So if you can please share, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, you bet. I appreciate that. I, You know, it's, it's funny that we're having this conversation today. Um, I just, you know, on a on an Instagram page that that's doing a lot of outreach and stuff for some stuff that I'm involved in in recovery and some other things in in life uh, I just recently you know did this kind of write up about my story and experience and and a lot of it revolves around my father and my childhood and and just how that impacted me and man some of the main takeaways about my childhood um that mm-hmm. I that I share with everybody and I'm really thankful for is like man, my dad was a junkie. He shot dope. He drank whiskey his entire life and my entire life. And mm-hmm. you know what, David, the, the thing that all, like I've always has stuck with me and that I've really carried throughout my life is that there was not a time that I ever spoke with my father or saw my father that he didn't tell me that he loved me for one. And the message of you can do anything in this life 
that you mm-hmm. put your mind to. That was like, that just, that stands out so dramatically. And I can, you know, I can look back at all the moments and, and how we always knew throughout our life, what dad was doing, locked in the bathroom, you know, for hours mm-hmm. on end and all day and all night. But it's like, you know, what a gift that mm. despite his challenges, despite the things that he was struggling with, that message of love and that message of ability, you know, just like mm-hmm. you can do whatever it is you put your mind to. And uh, man, I, I just want to stop you right there, Brandon. I mean, it's such two opposite ends of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Here you have your father who's completely destroying himself, right? But he's still telling you he loved you. And it's it's interesting to see, and I, and I try to tie this into how important it is with our words, right? Watch your words, I'm always saying. Because despise all these shortcomings your father was attending to and, you know, in the privacy of his, his bathroom or wherever he did it, that was negated by his simple words of, I love you, Brandon, and showing you that love. I mean, it. I guess that's a true testament to what, you know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his his mercy falls equally on the just and unjust. And it's like, mm-hmm. no matter how that, you know, affected me going throughout my life and the things that I did and the past that I went down, it was like, I always knew no matter what, that no matter what I did, whatever mistakes I made, whatever challenges I was facing, like my father was there to support me, you know? And it was like, look, man, if this is what I did and this is how you get through it, it'll be okay. And, and that really stands out. I I think that's unique to the kind of like challenges that he had. And and my mother was Mm -hmm. the same, but I'm so thankful for that, you know, because that was, yeah, like you said, man, you can't can't overemphasize how important it is that you know the way that we speak to our children. And mm-hmm. I look over my life, and it's like, what a testament to that, you know. And it's crazy because, like, in the opposite end of the spectrum, I've never heard that from my own father. I never heard him really say he loves me. You know, in fact, I was sharing that on a podcast earlier today, where I told the dude, I was like, man. I never heard my dad tell me he was proud of me. I've done all these different things. I, you know, I've had some failures and I've had some great successes, you know, and sure. in life. And um, I never heard him tell me he was proud of me, you know, and it, it actually took the death of my younger brother and him realizing and going through this whole process that he has to go through to realize, man, I have another son as well. And I'm proud of him. You know what I mean? And it, it made a, a complete difference in my life but it was almost like this weight came off my shoulders just to to hear him say those words dude and the impact your father has on his kids you know what i'm saying it's it's crazy it it really is it's it's like it's immeasurable the impact that those simple words can have on a kid and Mm -hmm. when they are when when they compound over time you know i i think like so i so i look at my life today and I just think about, you know, my role as a father and I look yeah. back over and, and, and tying it together with, you know, the experience we're talking about with my father, it's like the choices that we make today, how do they come? They're, they're going to compound over time, good or yeah. bad, you know, and, and what is the return on the investment that we're, that we're putting into our children, our life, ourselves, you know, 
because mm -hmm. it it's true. It it compounds over time. So the more that we are committed to showing up, you know, mm -hmm. to giving them that message of support and love, it's like, man, it 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 surpasses all challenges. Granted, you know, there's so many things I look back and I'm like, man, I wish it hadn't been like that, or how did I get the short straw? Or, why me, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's like, at the end of the day, yeah. man, it's like that, that is the voice in my head, you know, mm -hmm. that I love you and you can do it and we'll be okay. So that in turn is the message that the compounding, you know, returns mm -hmm. on that is what my children receive today. And it's like, and that's almost the greatest gift I could have ever received, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely powerful, brother. Powerful for sure. Um, is your father still alive now or no I, both Sorry. of my parents passed away yeah i was uh Sorry man, I was, yeah thanks man it's and that really you know it goes right along with what we're talking about so you know my father cirrhosis liver cancer and it just you know a life of slamming dope and drinking whiskey like it just was you know death bound to happen yeah he was 52 years old you know when he passed away and, you know, I'm, I'm working all night. We're working like 16 hours a day. You know, I was, I was maybe two years sober at the time. Mm -hmm. I got sober when I was 22 and, and my sister calls and she says, Hey, dad is on life support, you know, come to the hospital. So we go down there and we talk about it a little bit, mm -hmm. my sisters and I, and, uh, we decide to take him off of life support and, wow. and, and not to go too far down this road, but it, I think there's a powerful point here that I, that I want to just share. And so the nurse comes in and she says, Hey, would you like me to get the chaplain? And my sister turns to her and says, no, my brother will say a prayer. And dude, I, wow. I can't even describe to you the feeling of, redemption you know the power of uh coming full circle with my dad you know when i when i i had gone on my path i you know got sober went through treatment all the stuff that i did and i came to my dad's house and he would drive me to meetings drinking whiskey wow. and, every night, and every night he would say maybe one of these nights i'll go with you boy and i just say okay dad yeah and i'd go to the meeting and i and i stayed on the path stayed sober and now here two years later and my sister says, no, my brother will say the prayer and to get that, that honor, you know, like, yeah, I mean, man, just, you know, to be able to, in that final moment, mm -hmm. hand back the love that was so freely given to me by him in mm -hmm. when, man, he was just consumed by so much hurt his, my whole life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've done other podcasts, Brandon, where we talked about how uh, substance abuse is is just a um, a form of coping, right? Yeah, symptom, absolutely. A symptom. Um, what do you think your father was dealing with? You know, um, you said he's hurting. So, like, yeah. Well, you know, like if you go back another generation, you know, to my grand, yeah. and which you know, I, I can't, you know, the number of times that my father would sit and, and share with me, you know, his, my grandfather's drunkenness, his, you know, he was a POW World War II and came home and just tormented mm. that, 
his family, you know, and just through, through drunkenness and violence and, you know, to the point of like my dad and his brothers, you know, physically, you know, having to defend my grandma and each other. And, you know, and it just, I think it was a consequence of a lack of his father showing up, you know? And so it came his turn to be a father to me, you know, the one thing that he could do was pass on, you know, the message that he loved me and that he supported me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, now we go one more generation and it's like, no doubt about it. We're getting a little bit better as the, as our posterity goes on, you know? And yeah. For sure, for sure. And it's crazy because I always say this one thing and I heard it and I love it, man. It's what walks in fathers, runs in sons, unless it's dealt with. Mm. Mm. And, you know, it's crazy to see that generational curse going from father to son, father to son, and getting better along the way. You know, like obviously your your father, instead of choosing violence and substance abuse, he chose love and substance abuse. And then seeing you, you know, I, I understood you're an addict were an addict recovering addict right or healed addict i should say now right um you know and then falling onto you to where you had to stop that from happening in your family you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. man fathers if you're listening man i'm i'm not saying that in every case that happens but uh there is a lot of truth to that saying what walks in fathers runs in sons and that can be with substance abuse that can be with uh anger that can be with all kinds of different things that affect us as men you know so hundred percent man without a doubt now how was his interaction with your mom how how did that how do you remember that you know yeah so so they you know my my parents divorced when i was real young okay uh, you know like two years old but but what was interesting about that too like my whole life they remained really good friends you know like holidays Mm -hmm. all be together you know, with my stepmom and dad and and my mom. And it was like, man, just the laughs, just good friends, you know, which was, again, obviously not ideal. And I, and I, you know, even in the moments, like, man, why me? How how did I get so screwed? How did I get the short straw? All this stuff, you know, but it's like that, but even in the moments, it was like, man, it's pretty, pretty cool that they can be friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even, even to the point of like, just, just being good friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and there was never, I, I think the key takeaway is that there was never a point at which he degraded or, uh, you know, talked, talked down about or to, mm-hmm. there was always, you know, it was like, and, and I'm sure yet there was some feelings around that, but it was never, yeah no matter what was never expressed, you know, to, to yeah. me. And it's like, that that's a powerful example in itself, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I wish all marriages would, you know, were able to, to stay together, but I know that's not the case. Um, but like you said, it's, uh, it's amazing to see how your father did not bash your mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, cause we have that pain and hurt that we haven't dealt with that trauma we have the tendency of saying bad things about the other person, not knowing that that other person, that child is half of that person you're bashing. 
Right. You well, know what I mean? Absolutely. It It's much easier to degrade or point a finger at somebody else than it is to look at oneself most of the time. You know, it's yeah. easier to say how messed up they are, how, you know, they're at fault. And instead of, you know, the only, the only true thing that, you know, that we have any control of is like what we're mm-hmm. doing. Unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of people can't get to that place of, of introspection, you know? No, because it, it, I mean, it's, and I hate to laugh like that, but um, it requires work, dude. It truly does. To get that emotional intelligence like that, it is a lot of, lot of work. You know what I mean? And um, it's well worth it though. You know, once, once you are able to do that, you're, it's constantly, you're constantly working on yourself constantly. Yep. No you doubt. And right when you think you've got it, it's like, no, I'm faltering over here. You know what I mean? And absolutely. You know, yeah. our kids have the uh, uncanny ability of getting your attention. You know what I mean? And letting absolutely. you know. So, and, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I try to take this viewpoint and I try to emulate this so that it, you know, model it for my children. Hmm. And that is just how, how can I get just a little bit better? You know, how can I be a little bit more fair? How can I be a little bit more compassionate? How can I just incrementally moment to moment or day to day, whatever, just get a little bit better. Cause it's like, man, there is no destination. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this, this journey of progressing and just getting closer to what God intended for us to be. Like that is the, that's what, that's our purpose. You know, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to see kids look, you know, small instances of them kind of understanding that and like mm-hmm. like my daughter will say to me like you know I'll, I'll tell her hey go brush your hair before and she's like it doesn't have to be perfect dad you know we're just getting and it's like that's, that's true you know we're just making progress every day it's a little bit mm-hmm. no for sure man and i gotta give my hats off to you because i mean i had another guest another lineman on here Alfie nieto you know at a local 47 and uh he's a single dad bro and I got to give my hats off to you, single dads. I mean, because it, it's 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 hard work, dude. It truly is. You know? It is hard work, man. Especially in our line of work. You yeah, know? it's like everything revolves. You know, have the phone on and the call out, and and it's like, man, it in in one sense, it's like such a gift because it's like when when not when they're with me, that that's it, man. There's no, you know, the phone. I'm not on the Arcos. I'm not getting taking a call outs and whatever it is. It's like hundred percent full-time attention. And it's like, it's a gift, you know, honestly to, I think it gets, you know, for, for me, at least when I was not a single dad, it, it gets a little bit like, ah, you know, I take call every night and mm-hmm. pretty soon I'm, I'm staying late and I'm working and it's like, man, to, to see the silver lining and the fact that my family's not together, obviously, which is the preferred outcome but it's like you know to see the responsibility that i can take in the silver lining is that when they're here it's like 100 percent, you know undivided Mm -hmm. attention and i'm thankful for that perspective you know yeah for sure it's it's interesting to see that um how uh, i know a lot of times because of childhood you know trauma or whatever what we've seen or how we were raised or whatever a lot of fathers don't want to be dads um did you ever think about that growing up did you ever want to be a father or like how did that affect you 
Yeah, it was, uh, I was kind of, I always saw myself in the future, you know, like I always yeah. saw being a father and having a family and, and just, uh, you know, what we all kind of, most yeah. of us you know, see is like the, the, whatever the dream, like growing up mm-hmm. and, but as time kind of went on, like, you know, in my early twenties, it was like, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't really know. This is, you know, it, it's like, you kind of look back and, and no matter how fond my memories are, it's still, you know, the imprint of like the struggle for my, for my parents was like, yeah, you know, and it's like, man, that's a, I don't know about that. And then, you know, as, as I got to my later twenties, it was like, Oh yeah, without a doubt, hundred percent. That's what I'm, what I'm here to do, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't know, man, just it, it, my conception or my idea kind of changed when I got the, when it, when I kind of, and, and I'm learning this every day now, mm-hmm. I got the notion that fatherhood is a verb, you know, it's like taking action to be a father, not just fathering kid, you know, not, not just yeah. providing, you know, kids, but it's like thought, like taking the action to be a father was like, almost mm-hmm. like I was called to that, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely being intentional, you know? Um, yeah. And it's so much more than just being a paycheck, you know, that's our slogan. Um, we say it all the time. And I think that's where a lot of fathers fall short is they think, ah, I went to work. I worked all day. I worked 24 and eight. And guess what? That's all I got to do, man. My, I'm going to supplicate my time by buying my kids something really awesome, really cool. You know? Sure. Yeah. And we stress it all the time, man. Your presence is the present. That's what they want. Yeah. You know, it's so true, man. It's like, you can see it in my kids, man. They can have all the quads, all the toys, all the play sets and trampolines. And they do have all that, you know, but it's like when they get here, like when, when they show up, man, they run and jump into my arms. They don't run Mm. and jump on that quad or jump on the, toys and and man they will sit there all day and all night if i sit there with them you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like yeah we can see that so brandon so getting back to you know your transformation and stuff like that you weren't always the dad you are now um like what major changes like what was the catalyst that caused you to change as far as uh like start changing your life around and stuff like that. Like how did you fall into doing the dope and all that stuff, you know? Well, like, like man, I, you know, one thing that I'm <clears throat> just eternally grateful for David mm-hmm. is like my, my children have never seen me take a drink of alcohol. Okay. Never seen me take a, any kind of narcotic, you know, like January, I will have 18 years sober. My wow. oldest daughter will be nine this Friday, you know? So, mm-hmm. so I had a lot of sobriety and a, okay. and a whole new life, you know, before I had children, thankfully, because it's yeah. like, I, I know the nature of addiction and, and, the, and, and my addiction mm-hmm. specifically. And that, you know, there, there was nothing that could have overcome that at that time. So I'm so thankful that my child, that I had been set on the path that I'm on. Mm-hmm before my children showed up you know mm-hmm. because and it's almost like you know so so my father died he was 52 years old 
my mom mm. passed away. She was 59 years old and both of them passed before I had children. Mm. And there's a lot of times when I'm like, man, like what a drag. My kids don't have grandparents, you know, they don't have really any family. Like I was my mom's only child, but again, just like I, I came to a point where I felt called to be a father, mm -hmm. the things that have transpired, you know, leading up to me having children called me to be the best version of a father that I could possibly conceive. And that's what I'm doing, you know, and that's mm -hmm. by looking at other examples of fatherhood of, of yeah. good fatherhood. You know, it's almost like my parents passing. It's like, while yet, yeah, like at first glance, it's a, it, it's a, it's a hardship, right? It's a, there's yeah. nothing downside there, but if I stop and I reflect a little bit more, it's like there, there is no, their hand telling me how to be a parent now as a parent, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, man, I get to look to examples that I choose to look to instead of this, mm -hmm. building. like, um, oh, you know, this is how, this is how it's done. It's like, well, I get to actively choose what example I'm going to follow, you know? Mm. Yeah, I know for sure. I never looked at it in that perspective. You know what I mean? It's almost like a, um, it's not grateful, but at the same, it, it's ambivalence, right? It's, you're happy, but it's, it's a sad thing. You know what I mean? Because like you said, you know, you don't have to look to them for the example, you know right. what I mean? And so, man, yeah, I, I could see that. I never thought of that in that perspective, but uh, I get where you're going with that. You know what I mean? And uh, that's, that's, that's crazy. You know what I mean? That that's awesome. That's really awesome to see that. You know what I mean? To, to not take the victim mentality. Yeah. From that I, perspective, you know, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. It, it could easily turn into why me and why my yeah. kids don't deserve to not have family or grandparents. It's like, well, no, you know, like, not good. We don't go down that road and, and my mm -hmm. kids, we don't go down that road. And, and we just, you know, we're going to look to all the great examples that we have of families and parents and, you know, and, and that's, mm -hmm. and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be the best version of all of those that we can be, you know, yeah, right here for sure in our unit. Yeah. And, and it's pretty interesting to see that, um, you know, you, you're, you're, you have 19 years of sobriety, right? That's, that's, that's awesome. By the way, I have 16, I'm going on 16 now sobriety. And, um, it, it's awesome to see though, that, you know, when you, when you got decided to go get sober, right? Like that, yeah. you know, that you didn't bring that into going into line trade. I know a lot of friends of mine who are, you know, addicts or for per se. And yeah. sometimes they say that the line trade, like one of the, the, one of the craziest things I ever heard a guy say is, man, the line trade has the ability to magnify problems. You don't even know you have, mm. you know, and I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, yeah, just, just the way the lifestyle that, our trade lends us to yeah. you know like long nights away from home call outs i mean just on and on you know like out mm -hmm. on the road whatever it is it's like 100 percent, man all those things if you're if we are undisciplined and we are not on not solid in our purpose mm -hmm. man, that, that stuff can 
but it's no different than any any yeah. other you know the aspects of the world it's like man the world will have us believe that we don't need to be disciplined that you know if we don't like something throw it away and get another one and relationship mm-hmm. or whatever it is but yeah i can i can you know i've had lots of lots of guys tell me like they're just blown away man that i stayed sober through apprenticeship and through all you know all this stuff they're just like how how that like how 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 could you do that you know Mm -hmm. and i get that i'm I'm, again it's one of those things and i'm like man i just thank you just grateful (laughs) you know (laughs) i used to have linemen tell me all the time they'd be like hey man i don't trust a lineman that don't drink or whatever you know what i mean (laughs) and i'm like dude i was like let me tell you something i'm like because i'm a hothead you know when i get drunk yeah and um I tell him, I'd be like, dude, you wouldn't like when I'd be drinking because you're going to wind up with a black guy and I'm going to let you know how I really feel about you. Yeah. I was like, so, you know, just be thankful <laughs> that I don't drink. You know what I mean? The thing, it's, yeah, it's like, man, <clears throat> even like, don't smoke a little weed or and I'm like, no, man, like the best thing for cotton mouth is a cold beer. And then I have cold beer and pretty soon I need some, some powder then I got your truck. I stole your truck and I'm down the road with all your stuff. So trust me, I don't go down that road at all, man. You know, and they're like, all right. You know, I spent a lot of, I spent, I spent a lot of nights as the designated driver for, uh-huh. you know, lots of different crews, but. I had a good friend who, uh, he got drunk one night and he wound up in, uh, in Arizona, somewhere in Arizona, in the back of some Navajo's truck, dude, he uh-huh. was freezing to death, you know, in the middle of the Navajo reservation didn't even know who he got there. He got drunk with his homies. They're drinking. They're they're building a power line out there in the middle of nowhere. And uh he got drunk and he crawled up in the back of some dude's truck thinking he was the the foreman crummy. And he wound up, he wound up with a bale of hay and a and a a uh a, a, a sarape or you know, one of them blankets yeah, yeah. that the Navajos Blanket, yeah. wear. Yeah. Covered him up, dude. And he's in there in the in the back with a bale of hay and someone's grandma just staring at him while he's all curled up drinking, you know what Bro. I mean? All, all hung over. And he never drank from there again. He's like, dude, it was the worst experience I've ever had in my life, dude. You I was going to say, if that don't scare you straight right there, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, dude. I was teasing him. I was like, man, did you see any skinwalkers or anything? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, and, uh, it's, I spent it's, a lot of time out there on the Navajo Reservation working out of Flagstaff. Williams is lineman up there. Okay. And, man, that's no place I'd want to wake no. up. <laughs> and not know where i was no for sure i uh i did a lot of work throughout that area as well and um man i took my wife one time through shiprock oh yeah she was just and then i had another friend who i went through shiprock because i used to go through shiprock to go to utah yep. i had some friends out in utah and um man they were just blown away about the amount of poverty that those people live in it's, yeah. it's insane it's like literally going back into a third world country it is. Yeah. It's heartbreaking a lot of times too, man. And yeah, it I'm, is, man. And just, just the substance abuse, the lack of fathers, the lack of protection there on those reservations with them, them children. Um, it, it, it's astronomical how many kids wind up missing or abused usually by their own family members that are happening yeah. there, you know? No, you're right. And we just, you know, a part of this, so I'm part of a men's group and we do as much service as we can. I think that that's like, that's the, that's our purpose, man, to just serve others, you know, like yeah. the world would have us believe like, you know, take care of yourself and whatever makes you feel good. And it's like that, you know, 
Christ never came to earth to say, love yourself. You know, it was no. love your neighbor. And um, anyhow, so I'm part of this men's group. And, and man, these guys have, they started this, this organization called Helping Hands for the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. all through COVID, all through the pandemic, just taking you know, truckload after truckload of food and supplies and hand sanitizer and you name it. And man, what a, what a labor of love that, that was to witness and to take part in and to see that play out. But because you're right, man, it's like, if ever there was a place in need right here as our neighbors, it's like, man, that's, that's it, you know? Yeah, for sure. They're definitely need a, a lot of uh, prayers and hope and, and, you know, a hand up, not a handout over there for sure. Um, it breaks my heart to, to see all that stuff, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I think America kind of forgets and it's not just on the Navajo reservation. I mean, it could be in, in uh, Tennessee, somewhere you know in the middle of nowhere you know what i mean in in the holler out there you know i've I've seen some poverty there that is just horrendous you know and it's generational poverty i mean crazy from passed on from from father to son father to son father to son just generation after generation is just poverty mindset you know what i mean and the hope that those people don't have they Mm. never want to get out of it they're stuck in that area you know Yeah, that's a really good that that I mean you hit it right on the head. It's the it's the lack of hope. Mm-hmm. 100% and that man if anything like those like yourself, like us who have been on the other side of challenges whether addiction or poverty or, and and I qualify for all of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a like a like a voluntary obligation to be a voice of hope, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's like what you're doing right, right here, you know, hopefully everything that we do is, is like, that's how we show character, right. To make a voluntary public, obli- obli- we have a voluntary obligation to be a voice of hope, you know, for. Mm-hmm. for and, it, and and that's definitely what I'm seeing now, man, more than ever. I mean, especially even now during the holidays, you know, it's getting closer to the holidays and I see people, you know, getting sad, getting depressed, wondering why, you know what I mean? This and this happened or whatever, you know, and, you know, if you guys are listening out there and you guys are having any of these, these, uh, indirect feelings or something like that, you know what I mean? Just uh, reach out. There's hotlines out there. You know, we have the, uh, the hotline that I'll put on this podcast as well. You know what I mean? As far as, uh, you know, uh, depression and stuff like that, you know, suicide hotline, you know, it's, it's, it's no joke. It isn't, you know, people go through a lot of things, you know, and we all need people to relate to and talk to, especially during this time where we feel like there is no hope going on, you know? Yeah. So reach and out, a, man, for sure. Yeah, uh, No doubt at a time of such happiness and excitement and, and love, there's also the juxtaposition of so much of the opposite of so much pain, brokenness, so much misery, and hundred percent just, I mean, I couldn't echo what you just passed on more, but it's like, just, just, just talk about it. You know, it's like the mm-hmm. adversary Satan, however you look at it, whatever you want to call it, wants us to keep secrets, right. And wants mm-hmm. to keep everything in the dark, wants us to keep our feelings, our hurts, our brokenness, our, our struggles in the dark. Mm-hmm. And when they're brought to the light, 
that that's what the Lord wants us to do, man. Or, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever that, that voice of hope is in your life. It's like, that's mm-hmm. how we, that's how we overcome, like bringing it to light, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, darkness cannot exist without, without light. Right. And 100%, yeah. Um, I had this one guy who came on, um, Dr. Stephen Poulter, and he has this great book called The Shame Factor. In fact, we're going to be doing a book giveaway here soon on his books. Solid, solid guy, man. Good friend of mine. And um, he talks about how shame, you know, just to top off what you're, just to top with what you're saying, shame. Shame is the reason why people hide. They're yeah. afraid to, they, they're going to be found out that they don't yeah. have it all together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's insidious because it keeps you from seeking that help. I'm saying, Truly. Hey man, I got problems, you know? Truly. And and I think that that's as a father, one of the most, one of our highest callings for our children mm-hmm. is to, to, to support them when they make mistakes and mm-hmm. know that there's nothing that we can't face together. You know, yes. it, as, as long as we bring it to the light, right. If we keep secrets and we hide and we, let the let the shame, remorse, guilt, whatever consume mm-hmm. us. We don't have a chance. Mm-mm. The moment that we let that stuff out, the moment our children, my children, come to me and say, "I, you know, Dad, I made a mistake." And, well, then now we're in. Now we're a team, and now we can overcome anything together. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that is one of the most important things that we could ever pass on to our children. I can't agree with you more, brother. I I, I agree a hundred and hundred and ten percent, dude. Because you're absolutely right. I strive to be the father that my kids can be. Like, hey, man, I'm gonna call my dad if they're drunk or whatever. Right. Or they get in trouble. I want them to say, I'm gonna call my dad. Where everybody else says, dude, I don't want to call my dad. He's gonna kill me. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. I want to be that dad that they're gonna call and be like, my dad will get me out of a bind. You know exactly. I mean? He'll help yep. me out. All I gotta do is tell my dad, and, and he'll help. <clears throat> And it's, you know, it's funny, man, like kind of tying it back into what our earlier conversation mm-hmm. was seventh grade going into eighth grade. <clears throat> we robbed the mayor of Gilbert, Arizona, oh. the town that we live in. Ter- I mean, terrible, man, you know, I, mm-hmm. and, and not to like, you know, not to like glorify it in any way. So, you know, take all this money. I mean, it was a, it was a lot of money, man. And we get caught, of course, you know, we're in seventh grade. I go, I'm, you know, going to go to court. I, I'm falling, just, I'm terrified. Like this going to ruin my life. I, you know, I'm just thinking like, I'm destined to be just like my dad now, you know, whatever, on and on. And mm-hmm. my dad comes to me and he says, listen, son. And he tells me about being a teenager and the things that he and my uncles did, you know, he's, you know, stuffed a man down a mine shaft in Glendale and, and, basically tells me, look, there's nothing that you can do that, that I won't have your back and it's okay. You know? And that just changed my whole perception of like, it was like, okay, man, as as terrible as this is, I know that I can go to my dad, you know? Mm. And, and it's the same thing that I do for my kids now, you know? Yeah, for sure. No. And, and man, that's all we want. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, yep, that's it. Come to us, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll yeah. help you out, you know. 100%. Um, I wanted to ask you, Brandon, what do you want your legacy as a dad to be? You know what I mean? Like, when you think about it, like, what do you want to be known for? 
You know, I think about, man, I I think about like what my kids have materially. And Uh it's like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, like none of that means anything, man. And it's like, I want my children, the people whose live, like lives that I come in contact with, but especially my children. I want to be a man who, being in my presence uplifts those around me, you know, where it's like, I want people, my children, especially to feel seen by me, to know that they, they shine, that they stand out, that they're important, you know, to, to make, to give them the feeling of being everything, you know, because Mm -hmm. that's hard to me, you know, but if, if, if I could leave that as a legacy, as a man who uplifts those around me mm-hmm. and and fostered a feeling of hope in my children, you know, that no mm-hmm. matter what, like everything can get better, no mm-hmm. matter what it is, it, it can be okay. Yeah, for sure. No, hmm. no, nah, nah, I like that. I like that. I never heard it put that way. And I really like what you said, Brandon, um, fostering hope. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, I know you had a accident, right? I did. Yeah. In the line trade. No. And I wanted to ask you because I know a lot of fathers, you know, are, are, are a lot of linemen are fathers. And I wanted to just kind of get your perspective, like what was going on in your head when it happened and stuff like that, like the process, you know, if you can walk us through that, that'd be great. If you can share that with us, that'd be yeah, awesome. Absolutely, man. So I did, it was just uh, November 8th was mm-hmm. one year anniversary from, from my accident, wow. and, um, you know, and not to go too deep into that, but long story long, what happened was I, uh, I opened a, uh, a D switch and a light front switching cabinet that had just shy of 500 amps on mm. the switch. It, it was, uh, it, to compound it, it was at Sky Harbor International Airport, Terminal 3, Terminal 4, the busiest terminals it could possibly be on. Wow. And uh, I mean, it just, I mean, it, there could not have been a worse spot for, for this to yeah. happen, right? I mean, you know, I could do that hundred times in out, you know, anywhere else. And, and as far as the impact to the system, to the company, to the, all that stuff, man, it was just, it was bad. But, uh, you know, there again, man, I look at that situation. Mm -hmm. I open this switch under load and the recognition of like how quickly my mind kicked into action like uh, just immediately upon opening that it was like oh shit close it and Mm -hmm. i then i knew immediately that wasn't going to happen and Mm -hmm. the next thought was run and all i thought was my girls you know like and and i look at that situation and it's like had i had i stood in front of that cabinet for one literally one more second i mean it would have melted me to pieces man i mean there was there was 15 cables you know with 750s and one knots piggybacked on each other and the light front switching cabinet like i said i mean it was a complete you know i was on a mezzanine mm-hmm. and 
you know, maybe 60 feet wide, completely engulfed in flames. Just, oh my gosh. You know, I had uh, third degree burns, my face, my neck, my ears. I mean, my ears were so crispy. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't bend them at all. And uh, <clears throat> just the immediate thought of my children mm -hmm. and, I, I ran, I got behind a, a cabinet that was right next to me. And the next thing that, that, I, that entire mezzanine was engulfed in flames. And, um, man, you know, I, yes, I had burns. Yes. It, it was traumatic immediately, you know, like I, there was some two other guys that showed up there to kind of commission this switch that I was working on. And, and man, part of me was like, I almost felt worse for them. You know, it was like the impact that this had on like the trauma that it had on them. They were engineered guys, you know, they like, they don't yeah. know what it's like for, for an arc, you know, they don't know what it's like for something to go off. And it, it was the, the level to which they were traumatized was like, man, I felt, you know, they're kind of running around. They're like, just, just go sit down. And I, I, you know, thankfully I, I was calm enough to tell them, look, you just go sit down. I went to my truck. I got my burn blanket. You know, I got the guy, like just went through all the stuff that we practice yeah. all the time, you know, just our, our safety response. And immediately it was like, man, how am I going to, and then the thoughts, like, how am I going to pick up the girls from school today? Like, you know, just all the logistics of like, how am I going to take care of them? You know, how am I going to be present? And, um, you know, fortunately I went to the hospital, you know, they checked my eyes, they checked my lungs, they, they debriefed me, which, you know, I told them, I'm like, listen, as soon as I got there, like, I don't do narcotics at all. And they're yeah. like, are you sure? I'm like, not, not a bit, none. They're like, okay. So Anyhow, I didn't realize what they had to do to burns to, you know, I mean, they pull out a Brillo pad and start scrubbing my face and neck. And I'm like, shit, man, I'm rethinking that what I, <laughs> maybe I do want some, you know, but anyhow, I didn't. And, uh, long story long, man, I, I left just a few hours later, you know, and, uh, I had my head obviously face, neck, everything, hands bandaged and, uh, man, my, my girl's when they saw me that day, the, the, the fear that was in their eyes, you know, was like, I mean, it just made me, made me cry, man. Like, yeah. Just to see, you know, they're eight and six at the time they were seven and five. And to see the fear that they had in their eyes about dad going to, you know, it's like, then it's like the next time I go to work there, they were like, you could see, almost see that fear all over again, you know, like, yeah. Worried that every time I go to work now, that's, what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, but you know, like everything else, I, I really, you know, I get down, I look my, my kids in the eyes and we just have just honest talks, you know? And I, and I, and I told him, I'm like, look, you know, this is not dad messed up. You know, I did something, I took ownership of this, you know, it's not like every time I go to work, this is going to, this is going to be happening, you know? And what happened was my girls, man, they, and again, I just could constantly just 
cry, man, about this, but my girls would be in there, you know, helping me clean my burns and wrapping bandages and putting the gauze, you know, they'd hear mm -hmm. dad, let me, let me help you like tuck this gauze in so we can. And it just like, it freaking broke my heart, man. But it was also mm -hmm. like such a tender mercy that they were not necessarily mature enough, but capable mm -hmm. of, of just being there to support dad. And it was like such yeah. a vulnerable place for me to be, you know, like, mm -hmm. man, to, to allow them to serve me like that. It was freaking, it just melted my heart, man. It, it took me to a place of vulnerability and tenderness mm -hmm. that I, thankfully I don't think that I have gone back from, you know, it's like it, it, it softened me in a way that I don't, I don't know what else could have, you know? Yeah. It's unfortunately that that had to happen to you, you know, but um, the outcome of, of being able to see that and seeing your testament as far as how you raised your daughters to be caring and loving and for them to be able to do the same thing to you. I mean, man, that's, that's a young age, bro. And then for them just to be able to show their dad that, kindness and compassion you know that that's a testament on you man for raising wonderful you know wonderful kids you know well man it you're absolutely <clears throat> right like, um, thank you for that compliment mm -hmm. but you hit it right you hit the nail on the head and that is you know so i, I do this thing with my mm -hmm. girls man, and every week i write a word and i'll write the definition and i set it on and i put it on their mirror in their bathroom mm -hmm. And, um, the one that I just put up there, it it's character. I wrote character and it's the ability to deal with difficult, unpleasant, or dangerous situations effectively. And I just, I put these things on their, on their mirror, you know, and then, so every time they go and brush their teeth or whatever, they read the word for the day. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and the one that I put up, I kid you not, man, this is not a joke. The one that I put up the week of my accident was courage and that was strength in the face of pain or grief mm. and that's what i put on their that's what they had on their bathroom window mirror you know and mm -hmm. dude to see like granted it, it wasn't because i wrote that note on the wind on the mirror no. that they showed up for me the way that they did but to see them embody exactly like, like the synchronicity, man, the timing was just like, like I was just awestruck, you know, by the grace yeah. of God to like for this all to transpire and to see them embodying such courage at such a young age, like you said, man. And like, dude, they're, they're terrified, mm -hmm. but here they are, they're going to show up and they're going to be of service to dad who it's generally the other way around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and just to know that they're provider, right? Because you're their provider, you're their caretaker, you you you're their world, right? And just the thoughts that go on in a little kid's head. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm sure they're thinking, "Hey, man, dad got hurt. You know, you know what's going to happen now? You know what I mean? Is is he okay? You know, all these different things that we don't really think of, I guess. You know what I mean? And 100%. You know, especially like when we make mistakes and stuff like that, you know, I know 
for yours, yours, you made a mistake. You took ownership and stuff like that. But what about the fathers out there that take the shortcuts that get complacent? Oh man. You know what I mean? Well, and stuff you happens, what, you know? Absolutely. And <clears throat> so my first shift, you know, that happened on a Monday. I was back to work on Friday. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, like I probably shouldn't have, like it was difficult for me to get my gloves on my hand, you know, like, I mean, it was like, but it was good, man. I went back to work. It's, it was like, look, the last thing that I, that I'm want to do is sit around second guessing my skills, my ability, my, you know, it's like, I'm going to get, get back, back on hundred percent. But I'll tell you what, man, like that very, that very first shift, I get in my truck, I got to go to the, get fuel. And dude, I must've checked that pump, green pump, green pump, like 10 times, man. Like this is the right pump. You know, you know what I mean? Just like mm-hmm. the, the way that that changed my focus. I mean, because dude, I, I would have told you hundred percent before my accident that I, I am safe, man. I am diligent. I am you know, I, I check, I double check, I verify. And that is all, that was all true hundred mm-hmm. percent. But to see the change that has come over me now in that mm-hmm. space, because of the effect that it has had on my family, my children, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a whole level of safety of, of mindfulness. I should say, it's not just, you know, like, like safety that becomes like, ah, but it's like mindfulness of what, how my actions affect my family, you know, mm-hmm. every one of them. And that's good to see, you know what I mean? That you have that level of mindfulness now, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Um, I worked at uh, right. Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was a troubleman there. And um, yeah. I remember we had a safety guy that would come in and he had a hook on his hand, you know, and he came from out here in Edison and he went to New Mexico and, you know, he, he did his whole spill about how he took a shortcut. You know, I'm sure you've seen the video. Of, oh, uh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Well, he was, he was our safety guy, you know, and um, I found out what happened to him and his story and stuff like that. And uh, he was unfortunate. I mean, he, you know, many, many surgeries later, um, he wound up with only, you know, one arm, Jeez. you know, it's, it's, it's awful to, to see, you know, but it's like that in everything, you know what I mean? If we get complacent, if we get comfortable, we get, you know, we think we don't got to do stuff. You know, if we stop pursuing our wives, if we stop, uh, making that connection with our kids, you know, something's going to suffer, you know what I mean? And that's why it's so, so important to, to not fall into that place of complacency, you know? Oh, you're right. And, and to me, you know, like mistake, no matter the, the scale of the mistake, right. If it's at work, mm-hmm. if it's home, if it's with my children, whatever it is, if I take ownership, right. If I take a hundred, hundred percent accountability. And then to me that this is the key right here, right. Like mm-hmm. look, you know, whether it's my, my upbringing, my family life, my, whatever it is, you know, I can, I can take a seemingly bad situation just like my accident. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like my sponsor, my mentor, you know, like always shares with me, which there's no, I haven't ever heard it put a better way, but it is to look for the good and the God, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's something that I stress to my children 
constantly. It's like, whatever we look for, we will find. Mm -hmm. So in my accident, if I look for how it was their fault and that fault, and if it wasn't scheduled and all the things that were how I was, again, a victim, you know, a victim of circumstance or whatever, Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to find all those reasons. But if I step back and I take ownership and I look for the tender mercies, like we're talking about, like my children mm-hmm. getting the opportunity at such a young age to step up and to be compassionate of servants, you know, to me, it's mm-hmm. like, man, that's the good and the God right there. Now, this seemingly most terrible event is like transformed into something that has molded them given them an experience that is priceless you know yeah yeah no man that's that's such an awesome way that you look at it that way um i know a lot of times people want to play the victim right the victim card or whatever and that keeps you from taking responsibility that keeps you from growing keeps you you from growing 100 percent and I think more men and women need to take responsibility. Yeah, you know, it takes two. I get that, right? But you can't control the other person. You can't control anything else. The only thing you can control is yourself. That's it and how you respond to right. the other person or, or the situation or whatever. You know, it's taking that ownership, right? Right, 100%. And it's like, you know, one of the things that I kind of relay to my kids over and over, you know, it's like, we look for the good in the God. When the unwanted, you know, quote unquote, like the thing that we seemingly bad thing happens, mm-hmm. how do I show up? You know, how do I act when things don't go my way or the way that I wanted them? Because that, that's where we, that's how we show character, you know? Mm. And those are the things that look, that, that our kids look to us for examples on how to handle right when things when a plan goes to crap or whatever it's like you know like it like our our family life you know it's like man i can very you know it's like how am i going to respond you know am i going to be you know am i going to be disgruntled and angry and all that stuff or am i gonna look for the good in the god man and Mm -hmm. look how we can all grow from it so Hmm, I like that. I like that a lot, man. Well, Brandon, it's uh, it's time, brother. Um, how can anybody reach out to you and get a hold of you, man? If uh, they have questions, I know this has uh, been an amazing podcast, and uh, I thank you for being open and honest with our listeners for sure. Oh man, I appreciate you taking the time with me. I I, I can't thank you enough, man. When you know, just to get the the honor of sitting down, chatting with you all the things you're doing, man, are, are incredible. And, and, uh, anybody that wants to reach out, uh, mm-hmm. at line dude, Instagram, um, you know, send me a message, uh, however, you know, get with you and you can pass on my contact if, if okay. you don't mind doing that. And man, anything from, from fatherhood to recovery or the trade, you know, if you're trying to figure stuff out, get, reach out, man, happy mm-hmm. to, happy to help in any way that I can for sure. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes and guys who are listening, man. I mean, I don't get these amazing guests for no reason. I mean, when they give you the opportunity to say, Hey man, I'm here for you, reach out. There is really no excuse. 
That's what we're here for. This is what this platform is for. It's for guys like us to get together and be able to talk through the problems, talk to the situations, talk to everything that plagues a man. You know, that way we can show up for our families. Yeah. Okay. It's not to shame you or anything like that. It's it's guys like Brandon who are giving their time. You know, guys like uh, El Fineto who are there giving their time, you know. It's precious. That's one of the most precious commodities we have. So when a guy gives you that opportunity, take advantage of it, man, and and, and come prepared, man. Really do. Well, once again, Brandon, thank you uh, for coming on here, man, and just sharing your your story with us. Keep doing what you're doing, bro. Keep loving that beautiful family of yours. And, man, keep keep being that guy who shows up, man, not only at work but for your family, dude. Likewise, brother. Appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Well, you have yourself a good night, man. Much love and respect. You too, buddy.